financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year. And then the inflation data came out, higher than expected. Friends, this isn't going away. It can't. The U.S. is $34 trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher. So you can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation, and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They'll help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold, and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. Text STRANGE to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation with gold. Text STRANGE to 989898 now. I'm Samantha Cole, host of the new season of Understood, The Pornhub Empire. Over the course of four episodes, I'll tell you how a horny YouTube knockoff in Canada came to dominate the porn world, only to shatter their cheeky reputation in a massive scandal. The Pornhub Empire is a new season of Understood from the CBC. Available now wherever you get your podcasts. The highly anticipated second season of the hit podcast Proof is finally here. Proof is an investigative true crime podcast co-hosted by Susan Simpson of Undisclosed and Jacinda Davis of Evil Lives Here. Proof made headlines for its first season in 2022 after proving the innocence of two Georgia men serving life sentences for murdering their friend Brian Bowling when they were just 17 years old. 25 years later, on December 8, 2022, both men were finally freed based on evidence unearthed by Proof. In the second season of Proof, Murder at the Warehouse, Susan and Jacinda are on the case again, this time traveling the streets of Manteca, California, to uncover who really murdered 18-year-old Rene Ramos. On June the 5th, 2000, Ramos's body was found buried under a pile of debris inside the shell of a new Home Depot building. Despite tips hinting at alternate suspects, tips that were ignored until now, Renee's boyfriend, 18-year-old skateboarder Jake Silva, and Ty Lopez, the 33-year-old uncle of one of Jake's close friends, were arrested and convicted of her murder. Fans of true crime and investigative series won't want to miss this riveting new season. Follow the case as Susan and Jacinda uncover long-overlooked evidence about what really happened to Renee by listening to Proof, Murder at the Warehouse, wherever you get your podcasts. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. So Charles Howard Johnson, this is the guy who did these incredibly accurate illustrations, one in particular of Donald Trump's son, Barron Trump, born, what, 100 years later. So was he the source of this future knowledge? Did he have glimpses or did he give glimpses or data to Lockwood? And where did he go? Where did he end up? He's truly the big mystery at the center of the Lockwood mystery. If you enjoy Conspiracy Unlimited, why not become a Conspiracy Unlimited Plus member? For just $1.99 per month, you'll gain access to two bonus, exclusive commercial-free episodes per month, plus access to my back catalog of episodes. To subscribe, just go to ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com and click on Gain Access to Premium Episodes. Again. Go to ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com and click on Get Access to Premium Episodes or click on the link in the episode notes. Conspiracy Unlimited Plus for less than $2 per month. Why not sign up today? Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serres. Pursuing the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from his studio beneath the stairs, here's Richard Serrett. At this hour, Ingersoll Lockwood and his amazing prophetic books. Lockwood was a a 19th century American lawyer, writer, 
novelist whose works were obscure until they uh, won renewed attention in 2017 because of his book's apparent similarities to current events. His uh, 1896 novel, 1900, or The Last President, has become the focus of renewed attention online, of course, following the so-called insurrection, let's let's say it that way, the so-called insurrection at the Capitol in Washington on Jan 6th because of uh, the closing pages in 1900 or The Last President describe a similar event. The story follows a, a president from New York and even mentions a Fifth Avenue hotel in the city where Trump Tower now, now stands. Fifth Avenue was a famous address even then. And two of Lockwood's other books, The Travels and Adventures of Little Baron Trump and His Wonderful Dog Bulger and Baron Trump's Marvelous Underground Journey feature a character named Baron Trump. The president's youngest son is, of course, named Baron. And uh, Baron travels to Russia and meets a man called Don Fum. However, in this case, both Baron and Don are titles, not personal names. In The Last President, the president is a populist who won the 1896 election and eventually leads to the downfall of the republic. As a Twitter user, Ava Collins, pointed out, Lockwood wrote about an artillery attack that shook the capital to its very foundations. So who is this mysterious Ingersoll Lockwood, and how did he know so much about the future? Todd Wood and Walter Bosley are the authors of The Mystery of Ingersoll Lockwood, Volume 1, The Lost Future Series. They've also co-authored The Curious Case of Margareta Todd, Volume 2, The Lost Future Series. Todd Wood and Walter Bosley, welcome. How are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm well. Is this Todd or Walter? Um, I'm I'm doing good. It's good to be here. Ah, okay. Walter and Todd, great to have you both. So, I'm just going to throw this out there. Whoever wants to jump on any of these questions, just take it and run with it. But So, let's try to understand a little bit about Ingersoll Lockwood. Give us a, kind of the Reader's Digest version of who he was, where he came from. Well, as you put it, he was a lawyer, an author, an obscure person, really an unknown person until the 2016 election or, or, or the aftermath of it. And he came on the scene because it appeared that he predicted the presidency of Donald Trump, or at least Donald Trump coming on the scene. But what was interesting is it was kind of obliquely in the book, Baron Trump's Marvelous Underground Journey, of course, as you stated, the little boy in the story, Baron Trump, that, of course, is a title. But in the illustrations in the book, um, he bears a remarkable resemblance to the actual Baron Trump of our day uh, at the time his father was elected president. And that's not all. Lockwood also writes this book, The Last President, as you uh, uh, mentioned previously a moment ago. And it foretells basically the, uh, the, the splintering is the result into three parts of the United States. What's curious about that is the book, The Last President, doesn't really have anything to do with Donald Trump. It's a Democrat president, and it's all about um, really the uh, uh, the conflicts, the political conflicts going on in the country. And yet it is incredibly, incredibly prescient of what we've been going through over these last few years and particularly now. And again, Lockwood was essentially an unknown until all of this happened. So we asked the question also, who the heck was Ingersoll Lockwood, and, and how did this happen? One thing I didn't know about Ingersoll Lockwood, well, I didn't know much, but I didn't realize that he was named as a diplomat in the Abraham Lincoln administration. Yes, he was the youngest, right, Todd? Yes, one of the youngest from 1862 to 1865, 1866. I believe he left right before the Austro-Prussian War broke out. So he was an ambassador to the Kingdom of Hanover, what is part of now modern-day Germany. Correct. Yeah, up until the unification of Germany, of course, Germany was composed of roughly, I think it was 48 independent states. And again, as a representative to the Kingdom of Hanover, 
Lockwood would have been there really during the heart of a lot of those unification-related intrigues going on. And, of course, being there right up until the Austro-Prussian War, this was during the time of Napoleon III, who, it appears, uh, plays a role in this greater mystery, as we discuss in the second book, um, because Mr. Lockwood and Napoleon III had a mutual friend in Margareta Todd. Obviously, the central theme here, and what everybody wants to know is, Mm -hmm. is it possible to see events before they happen? And in this discussion, you you discuss in, in the book, in Chapter 1, not only, you know, could we have this conversation about Ingersoll Lockwood and whether he foresaw the presidency of Donald Trump, but you also bring into the discussion author Jonathan Swift and uh, Jules Verne. Talk to me about that. Well, Swift is believed to have predicted the moons of Mars uh, before they were seen astronomically. And, of course, Jules Verne, as we know, is suspected to have been given information by a secret society, the Association d'Angelique, or the Angelique Society, Society d'Angelique, or the Angelic Society, um, which may have been a secret group that was dabbling in um, secret technology as well as, you know, forms of divination, if you will. And so there's this history of individuals who were, through their writings, presenting things that came true, as it were, right? Or or were learned to be real, you know, decades, centuries later. And uh, Lockwood, of course, his works end up being in that category. Now, either it's a good guess, a lucky guess, or... Obviously, in the case of Verne, he inspired scientists and engineers to go on and make his visions reality. Or these guys had some access to looking into the future. And uh, Lockwood, especially, in, uh, mm-hmm. in my opinion, in our shared opinion, I think. Right. Similar to uh, Arthur C. Clarke, for example. I forget which book, but sort of predicting satellites before the advent of Sputnik in 1958 or whatever it was. Correct. That's a a lot more like a technological envisioning because of the technology coming at the time. What these guys did was actual uh, look like having knowledge they shouldn't have. um, Right. You know, due to the details and such. And when you look at the illustration back in the 1890s of the character Baron Trump, and it looks so remarkably like Donald Trump's son at the time Trump was elected, you have to wonder, this is in the case of the illustrator, Charles Howard Johnson, who we go into because he's a bit of a mystery himself. He illustrated these books for Lockwood. And, you know, how he got this image that was so exact is just kind of mind-blowing. So was Johnson Lockwood's source on the future, and we ask that question in the book and analyze that. I just want to get back sure. to some of the other similarities, these eerie similarities between Ingersoll sure. Lockwood's books and details about the characters and how they so closely resemble Trump's family, paternal grandfather, and so forth. Can you walk us through some of these? Basically, what it appears to us, as we have discussed this and analyzed it, is that Lockwood was possibly using what an associate of mine calls karmic frequency. And that's sort of a divination using birth dates um, and, and all this arcana. But Charles Howard Johnson, you know, the visual implies some type of actual seeing into the future. So did Johnson have some type of device where he actually saw these figures, the Trump family members, the, you know, the, the events going on. And did he just get glimpses and Lockwood did his best to um, put together what he was divining as far as the events go? Or was Charles Howard Johnson himself a time traveler? At any rate, Lockwood put down in these books 
this stunning data that is so predictive. And I argue, and, and Todd and I argue in the book together, that what Lockwood did was some form of divination, some type of analysis of data between what Johnson mm. gave him and what he was able to gather on individuals, which implies that Lockwood may have been acquainted with a Trump family member of that time, perhaps Trump's great-grandfather or grandfather. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, so let's walk through some of the, the parallels between the actual Donald Trump and the character Baron Trump in the book. So let's talk about you know things like their German ancestry and Donald Trump's I guess, affinity for Eastern European women and these sorts of things. Yeah, it's interesting that the book being primarily focused on the boy character, but, you know, the Baron Trump. It, yeah, indeed, things about Donald's own life come through in these stories. Again, this indicates to us that Lockwood was more doing more of a divination kind of thing, because clearly, as we see the details and the facts, these things, a lot of these things are about Donald, okay, not his son, named right. Baron. But here you have Lockwood right. attributing them to the, the boy character. That suggests that Lockwood had this data, divined this data, was given this data, but wasn't quite sure, uh, you know, how the puzzle fit together. He just knew he had these pieces for whatever reason, it rang true to him intuitively that there was something to the data, and he just did the best he could to put it together. And the important thing is is that he did put it together. He did commit it to paper to get it published, and there it was out there mm -hmm. you know, in the world to be discovered. Now, we also suggest in the book, were these Lockwood books in the family library as Donald Trump was growing up. Did he name his son Baron that because he was familiar with Lockwood's book growing up? There, there's always that possibility, but the problem right, the more is... Right, the more prosaic explanation. Yeah. Todd Wood and Walter Bosley are with us here on the program. We're talking about uh, Ingersoll Lockwood, and their book is called The Mystery of Ingersoll Lockwood. The Mystery of Ingersoll Lockwood. This is available at lulu.com, L-U-L-U. Dot com. So just hit on some, again, some of these interesting resonance points in Lockwood's books and the real Trump family. Well, one thing I noticed was his name was Barron, right? Donald Trump is in real estate, but if he were alive back in the 1800s, he would be a land baron. That's something I noticed. Also, the date of birth. So Donald Trump, the 45th president, was born on the 14th of June. Mm -hmm. And little Baron Trump in the book, all we know, he's born midsummer. Midsummer is typically, you give the range here, midsummer date range of the 19th to the 25th of June. So that's pretty close. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Donald yeah, Trump. European connection. Right. Yes. Talk more about the European connection, if you will. Well, at one point in the Underground Journey story, young Baron Trump, the Baron Trump in the story, he, I believe he enters the underground world in the Ural Mountains in Russia. And, of course, we have all those intrigues that Donald Trump suffered uh, regarding Russia. And um, we have the affinity for the Eastern European things and the fine things in life, and, of course, that explains Donald Trump right there. The finer things in life, it's, he is, you know, has a taste for Eastern European ladies, and uh, it, it's it's those little suggestive things that you know you, you just that, that pile up to the point where you know you come away from this thinking, saying, okay, there's got to be something, got to be something weird going on here. This is just too too strange. Right. So the, the Baron Trump in Lockwood's book is an egoist, to say the least. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that sort of parallels, obviously, with with uh, 45, President Trump. Mm 
But the other mm-hmm. thing that strikes me is uh, Baron Trump, the character, his his uh, habit of coming up with uh, kind of nasty nicknames for people. Talk yeah. to me about that. <laughs> Go ahead, Todd. Well, yep, he does. He does come up with uh, nasty nicknames for people, just like um, Donald Trump. Isn't that kind of uh, interesting? Um, another thing that I sort of, uh, that I gravitated to, uh, adding to what Walter was saying about the Ural Mountains is the Ural Mountains has a long history of, um, weird things being found inside the caves there and, um, uh, its connection to the hollow earth and UFO sightings in that particular area. Um, so that's, that's another thing I've noticed, but, um... Yeah, he does. It's kind of comical. He does come up right. with uh, dirty nicknames. Right. And of course, Donald Trump would, uh, it's, uh, uh, who was it? Lying, lying Hillary. And, and, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, he had a name for everybody. Every one of his, uh, his, uh, opponents during the, uh, 2016, the primaries, and then, then during the election, he had a nickname for everybody. Uh, mm-hmm. and that certainly mirrors Baron Trump in Ingersoll Lockwood's book. Um, We've got about two minutes here. I want to just jump ahead, if we could, uh, to the book 1900 or The Last President. And this, to me, is absolutely um, astounding because in the book, uh, there's a lot of uh, rioting and protesting and civil uh, civil unrest because of the president. And that obviously uh-huh. mirrored what happened in, in uh, you know, t- uh, parts of 2019 and 2020. Right. Right. And um, they, they, here's the interesting thing I noticed. Even though there was, on November 3rd, the election of 2020, even though there was a lack of rioting, uh, or less than you what we would think, right, considering the summer, um, with places like New York and Portland, um, this article came out in Times Magazine, uh, the uh, shadow campaign to secure the 2020 election, where they call it a shadow conspiracy, and they even go on to say in that same article that they had operatives in in place just in case Donald Trump won to actually start uh, rioting and looting and everything of that nature. And in 1900, the last president, uh, there are these roving gangs, you know, threatening to burn people's houses down and kick them out of their houses, and they're, I guess, they're storming. They're trying to storm. Uh, Trump Castle, right? Right. Yes. Right, right. Um, but the here's the interesting thing. Now, here's another parallel. Something in 1900, the last president. Um, the president's name is Brian. That's supposed to be William Jennings Bryan. Um, Ingersoll Lockwood was a Republican, and this was it was kind of a um, propaganda piece against the populist William Jennings Bryan, and. Interestingly enough, during the, the election of 1900, um, it was William Jennings Bryan who was kind of campaigning nonstop, doing 10, 20 speeches a day, right? Going from place to place via train, just like Donald Trump was doing, flying from place to place in 2020. And uh, in 1900, uh, the election of 1900, it was uh, William McKinley who was just kind of sitting on his porch and letting people come to him, right? And it was with like McKinley Joe Biden in his basement. Yeah, just like Joe Biden in his basement. Yes. Fantastic. Exactly. So, uh, so um, talk to me, either of you, about Ingersoll Lockwood's uh, involvement in this. I don't know if we call it a secret society, but it's an interesting club called in New York called the Titans. Who wants to handle that one? Tell me about the Titans. Well, Todd um, has done the uh, main research on the Titans. I will say this, that we're going to be focusing on the Titans in the next book. But as far as what we know so far, Todd, I think, is probably better equipped to tell you that. Okay, so tell me about this, uh, this Secret of New York organization. Right, the Union of the Titans. Now, the Titans, to be a member of the Titans, 
to qualify as a member, you had to be at least six foot two inches. Donald Trump is six foot two inches. So is Nikola Tesla. Now, the whole point of this club is to study mythology, right? And allusion to mythology. So they would have been really interested in things like the Sumerian tablets or Greek mythology, or, or things like that. And they would meet, um, They, would, I think they would meet and they'd have dinner, and uh, the, that's, that was their whole thing. And um, their, their whole idea was the idea of property equaling sovereignty. Okay. So who are some of the other members of this uh Union of Titans. Lockwood is a member. You also mentioned, um, we don't know for sure, but the Titans could have included industrialists, people like the man who founded the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania, which is Donald Trump's alma mater, and that was Joseph Wharton. Was he a member? Do we know? I think he was. I think he was. Also, uh, William B. Woodward, um, one of the people who may have started sort of the early rumblings of the Humane Society in New York for animals. But the, the Wharton connection um, to Trump, because again, he went to the Wharton School. So mm-hmm. is, I'm just wondering if there is some way, um, uh, Walter if, or Todd, mm-hmm. either of you, is there some way that, again, Lockwood interacting with Wharton Maybe telling him this story uh, that he was writing, is it possible that somehow um, Wharton mentioned these things? Maybe it was there was mention of it in somewhere in in the Wharton Library that Trump could have had access to this. He could have been influenced or indirectly by Lock- Lockwood through Joseph Wharton. Sure, in other words. Yeah, absolutely. This is this is another uh, possibility. The Wharton connection, as well as. If I said earlier, did the Trump family have the Lockwood books in their personal library? Were the Lockwood books in the Wharton library? As you stated, of course, is there something that Wharton himself might have communicated through some documents that uh, Donald Trump was exposed to or was shown? Uh, There is also the possibility of the Titans, particularly through the industrialist members among them, being involved with the development of technology, of course, uh, from the 19th century into the 20th of Trunk, who was an MIT uh, electrical engineer with MIT, inc- greatly respected and um, was selected by the FBI when Nikola Tesla died to be the FBI's representative to go read through the secret Tesla papers, as we call them today, the papers that were in Tesla's safe in his uh, residential suite at the hotel in which he, he died in 1943. This was Donald Trump's uncle, whom he was very close to, was the man who knew what was in those secret papers that we'd all now love to see. Um, is it possible that John Trump had some connection or, or uh, was influenced himself by someone who had been a member of the Titans years before. And this influence passed through John to Donald. That is a, a strong possibility there that we've, you know, only begun to really look at so far. All right. I want to circle back now to uh, Charles Howard Johnson. He's the illustrator, and he's mm-hmm. the one responsible for this uncanny resemblance between uh, a Baron Trump in Lockwood's book, the character Baron Trump in Lockwood's book, and John or Donald Trump's son, Baron. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. tell me about. He's kind of a mysterious character. Uh, what What can you tell us about? What do we know about Ch- Charles Howard Johnson and how he? arrived in New York to meet Ingersoll Lockwood. Uh, Todd, do you want me to take this one? Yeah, go for it. All righty. Charles Howard Johnson. All that was known about him by his peers and all that we know about him today is that he appears on the scene in New York City in the 1880s. He claims to have gone to an art school in Cincinnati, and he goes into 
illustration for various magazines and book publishers and the like, and that's how he ended up illustrating the Lockwood Baron Trump book. And what's interesting about Johnson is that no one ever confirmed his backstory. No one ever, there's no way to confirm presently that he indeed went to the Cincinnati Art School, uh, where he was born, where he came from before New York. It is just known that his peers in New York greatly respected his abilities, and they liked him. And uh, even when he passed away, um, there's no information we've found yet as to where he was buried. And uh, you find out about his death through a source that said, oh, he, he died of what they called brain fever back then. So in a way, he disappeared just as mysteriously as he appeared on the scene. So Charles Howard Johnson, other than the illustrations, which you can find online, you can Google him, and there's his illustrations, he's really a cipher. Well, this is the guy who, as we stated, uh, did these incredibly accurate uh, illustrations, one in particular of Donald Trump's son, Barron Trump, born, what, 100 years later, so was he, was he the source of this future knowledge? Did he have glimpses or did he give glimpses or data to Lockwood? And where did he go? Where did he end up? Um, he, he's truly the big mystery at the center of the Lockwood mystery in itself. And, and in the book, we get into some pretty wild possibilities with, right. We'll we'll uh, do that when we come back Johnson. because I, I we, you you bring up the name of Jack Finney, uh, yes. a great science fiction uh, era. People will remember the invasion of the body snatchers, and um, uh, there is a connection between science fiction writer Jack Finney and this mysterious Charles Howard Johnson, the illustrator of the Ingersoll Lockwood books. We'll get into that when we come back. Todd Wood, Walter Bosley, stay with us. The book is The Mystery of Ingersoll Lockwood. And uh, that's available at lulu.com, L-U-L-U, lulu.com. Back with more in a minute. Don't go away. Hi there. I want to tell you about a podcast I know you're going to love. It's called The Dead Files from Travel Channel. On The Dead Files, Amy Allen and Steve DeShavi investigate the paranormal activity haunting real people and homes across the United States. Amy and Steve come from totally different perspectives when they investigate. Amy's a medium. She sees and speaks to dead people and uses this skill to find out why someone might be haunting a place. Steve is a retired homicide detective. He tackles the case from the other end of the spectrum and uses public records and witness accounts to piece together the history of the haunted location. On every episode, Steve and Amy investigate a different, real haunting to help the family struggling with its effects. On one episode in Falconer, New York, a family keeps waking up with scratches and bruises. They also see a shadow figure lurking around their home. They call Amy and Steve to investigate. Amy uses her strength as a medium to understand who the presence is coming from and why it's so angry. Separately, Steve finds out the history of the house from the townspeople and in public records. He finds that several people who lived in this house died, which matches Amy's findings. At the end of the episode, Steve and Amy share their findings and make a recommendation on whether it's safe to stay in the house or time to get out. There are so many crazy stories on the dead files, and what's interesting about Amy and Steve is that they investigate the hauntings from two totally different perspectives. You listen to my podcast because you love tales of the paranormal, but if you want more... Listen to The Dead Files wherever you get your podcasts. It's time to try the tea everyone's talking about. Nothing does what Life Change Tea does. They have no competition. Life Change Tea helps support a healthy body. It tastes great and leaves you feeling refreshed every day. I can't get enough of my pomegranate super tea. I brew two gallons at a time and let it steep in the fridge overnight, enough to last me the entire week. And every morning I have a 16-ounce glass of this amazing GMO non-caffeinated herbal tea. It keeps me regular by providing a gentle cleanse every day. I'm never gassy or bloated, and good health begins with a healthy gut. This pomegranate super tea is not available in any store. You need to go to getthetea.com. Go to getthetea.com. Use the code UNLIMITED, and all your orders ship for free. All of them. It's time to get your tea from getthetea.com. If there's one thing money can't buy, it's sanity. (laughs) 
Conspiracy Unlimited <laughs> with Richard Serrett. And we're back with co-authors Todd Wood and Walter Bosley. The book is The Mystery of Ingersoll Lockwood. This is volume one of the Lost Future series. And uh, you can find this book for sale at lulu.com, L-U-L-U.com. And I'm going to fix the link uh, at strangeplanet.ca. When, so when you click on the book title, The Mystery of Ingersoll Lockwood, Volume 1, it'll take you right there. I think right now it takes you to Goodreads. But uh, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll fix the link, and then it'll take you directly to the uh, book link at lulu.com. So we were talking about this science fiction writer, Jack Finney, um, who we know best probably from The Invasion of the, the Body Snatchers. Uh, but he written, he wrote two other books, Time and Again and The Third Level. And you make the case, uh, both of you, that it's perhaps uh, Charles Howard Johnson, who died in the, um, uh, I guess, 18, 1894 or something like that, 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 that Charles Howard Johnson may have showed up as a character in, in two of Finney's books. And possibly Richard Matheson's very popular Somewhere in Time as well. But yes, Jack Finney, of course, was uh, is very well known as the author of uh, two of the greatest classic time travel stories. One of them titled The Third Level, which was a short story, and then the other, his novel, Time and Again, which came out a few years before Matheson's Somewhere in Time, which was made into the very popular film. And what's interesting is that um, uh, in Finney's story, the protagonist journeys through time using a mental process, right? Just like the character in Somewhere in Time wills himself back in time. In the novel, time and again, of course, he elaborates on this further. This is the Jack Finney novel I'm talking about. And he goes back in time to 1896 um, uh, and uh, uh, falls in love with a woman and then, of course, returns to the future. And this is very similar to, or I should say, Matheson's novel, Somewhere in Time, Again, a character in 1896 uses his mental power to go back in time, falls in love with a woman, dies of a broken heart when he loses her. Now, what's interesting is how Charles Howard, Howard Johnson were told that he died of this vague brain fever. And what's interesting is uh, Johnson himself was engaged to a woman who was an actress, back in the 1890s, just like Matheson's character, uh, uh, Richard Collier, in Somewhere in Time. So what you have is the suggestion that Charles Howard Johnson inspired the Finney characters in the story The Third Level and his novel Time It Again, and also in the Matheson novel Somewhere in Time. So you have to ask, did Finney, know about Charles Howard Johnson? Did Finney know something about Johnson knowing something about time or seeing through time or traveling through time? It's, uh, it's, it's highly suggestive of that. And of course, Matheson and Finney were contemporaries, you know, um, they were, their writings were popular at the same time. So certainly, uh, you know, knowing each other, Matheson had to have been influenced by Finney, but it it, it suggests um, it suggests that Johnson uh, something with Johnson's story is kind of a what you call a an open secret is the best way I can put it that uh, somehow Jack Finney became aware of and is giving us a clue as to how Johnson may have done this. If, in other words, we ask in the book, did Johnson jump through time? Was he a time traveler from the future, from our time, who was witnessing what was going on with the election, you know, with Donald Trump's initial election and then the 2020 campaigns and such? Did he jump back in time uh, to the 1880s, essentially to New York, concoct this story about the Cincinnati Art School, um, you know, live there for 
a few years and for whatever reason decided to jump back to the future in 1896 or did he indeed die as does the character in the Matheson novel um, this is a question we have to we had to explore and we do in the book because um, it's it just it's a very nagging question particularly because of what Finney and Matheson wrote resonating so well with this Johnson mystery. So, uh, Walter, you were telling us about science fiction writer Jack Finney and how um, there's a character in two of his books which could be the illustrator from Ingersoll Lockwood's books, Charles Howard Johnson. How does uh, the Dakota Hotel, or not the Dakota Hotel, the Dakota building where John Lennon lived, how does that figure into all of this? Well, here's what's interesting. Um, in Time and Again, when Finney's uh, protagonist goes back to New York, it's in 1882, and the, he does it via the Dakota Building, but the Dakota Building did not exist as such until 1884. It was under construction, but the way it's depicted in the story, it just didn't exist. Now, uh, Finney explained this, you know, by saying, hey, I took some liberties because I was fascinated with the Dakota. Now, that that suggests a whole bunch of interesting threads right there. But it could also be Finney's little clue um, about Charles Howard Johnson, the source of his main character, meaning that the the Dakota not really existing in 1882 um, it, it is symbolic of the man who went back in time, who himself didn't exist in 1882. Uh, it, it, but it, it could also have been Finney himself uh, just being prescient about things happening at the Dakota, including something an event so famous such as John Lennon's assassination. But um, Finney, interestingly, Finney's book came out in 1970. And this was around the time that um, the U.S. Army uh, was de allegedly developing scientific remote viewing, okay, which they claim, as we know, to be able to look through time. In the novel, time and again, it's the, the DOD, specifically the U.S. Army, running this time travel program. And the individuals who do it are all in individual little uh, spaces that are decorated to the place and time that they are supposed to be time jumping to. You could argue that this is similar to, you know, cubicles or little rooms where remote viewers would sit in this actual army program and attempt to look through time. So what did this suggest to us? We had to ask the question, uh, was or is Charles Howard Johnson, was he a member of the early remote viewing program who actually was able to uh, physically manifest through remote viewing, traveling back in time? Or the more practical possibility, uh, did someone remote view with the Army program? Did they remote view um, some things in the future, in the past? And, uh, you know, how was this communicated back to the past? It, it's it, There's all these possibilities, but yet there it is, you know, in the mix. Did Finney know something about the remote viewing program? The fact that he made in his story, the time travel program, an army, specifically an army program. It, it's just too, it's uncanny. It could not have been a coincidence, in my opinion. Um, I, I think Finney may have known someone in that or something about that, uh, to be certain. But, but you have to ask, was Johnson one of them? Uh, uh, you you find, find clues uh, of mm -hmm. Charles Howard Johnson's interest in in time travel in of all things his illustration of uh the lady of shalott now is that a longfellow poem 
Yes, it is. The Lady of Shalom. Yeah, it's one of my wife's, the Mighty Aphrodite's favorite poem. She She's memorized it. She can recite it from beginning to end. Uh, so I should know. It is, okay, it is Longfellow. Um, tell me about this illustration of the Lady of Shalott by Charles Howard Johnson and connect that to his interest in time travel. Well, as we analyze in the book, um, you know, she has, in the illustration, she has this mirror. And the mirror is cracked. And the mirror is used to see the outside world. So it suggests to us, to Todd and I, um, the, the possible means by which Johnson was seeing into the future. If he wasn't an actual time traveler, uh, he may have been using some form of uh, what is popularly called a looking glass technology, so to speak, back in the 1890s, which you know, the, the possibility of a mysterious technology, again, suggests the, um, uh, you know, the, the, the knowledge that Jonathan Swift had and um, the, the stuff that Verne wrote and the suspicion that he was being fed information by the mysterious angelic society. Were um, the titans, were some of the titans involved in this arcane, um, strange, esoteric, looking-glass possibility and is that where um, Johnson, you know, learned about this, became exposed to this? Um, they would be a suspect if we're looking at, at a technology in the 1890s doing that, because, again, they were so mysterious. They were so into the mythology in the past. Um, they, for all intents and purposes, they, um, you know, meet the description of the philosopher-scientist, in a way, maybe philosopher-industrialist, you might say, you know, men who were enthused with such things. And um, the fact that Finney's stories take place in New York, um, you know, again, the Titans were in New York. Uh, what did Finney know? You know, what did Finney learn? Um, what did he know about the... Uh, what did the army possibly learn from either the records of the Titans or some type of, con some type of contact with the Titans? Or what did the army learn from what John Trump saw in the Tesla papers? See, it comes back to the possible conduit of connection between the Titans, between what happened in Lockwood's time to the present and Donald Trump. Or and, and, and Finney a few decades ago, it, 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 again, John Trump and Nikola Tesla could be the source of this information. Any connection there then to uh, Project Looking Glass? Well, my understanding of Project Looking Glass, uh, the, the, the popularly discussed Project Looking Glass, is it, it's a very dubious um, origin. Um, and, and pedigree. So I would say if any similarities you would see would be that the, the, the person or people making that up were, had also, you know, looked at some of these same things we're looking at. And uh, you also mentioned the uh, chronovisor uh, ah, yes. in the book. Another, another unfortunate, um, dubious thing, uh, Father Ernetti's Chronovisor. There's an excellent, fascinating book written about this, and in the end of the book, um, the author and, uh, is very honest and, and states what Father Ernetti admitted, that the whole thing was not true. Um, it was very similar to the uh, Baird Spaulding camera of future events which preceded it and Baird Spaulding turned out to be um, just a uh, just a classic liar <laughs> and um, in those two instances the chronovisor a technology that allegedly uh, allowed this father Ernetti to look into the past um, you know again turned out to be something he made up but he did design and then of course Baird Spaulding's claims um, just kind of became as dust, just like his other claims about himself personally. But 
but you still have to wonder, was there something out there that was some sort of nugget of truth, which these men learned about or were told about, um, which inspired these things that we know turned out to be untrue, but where did they get these ideas? Is there something something out there that um, that is a looking glass technology or uh, process? I would say that what we have would, would be the closest possibility right now is what is um, uh, allegedly what allegedly can be done with remote viewing. It could be that the whole time this is, uh, you know, remote viewing is not entirely an original thing. I mean, you know, there's been people who have, there's been stories of looking into the, uh, uh, the, the past or the future and such. It's just remote viewing was a particular process and method um, that was designed and presented and practiced going back to the 1970s, but it's not an entirely original idea. So where did they get the idea, you know? Um, right, right. And and did somehow, did Charles Howard Johnson, the illustrator of Ingersoll Lockwood's uh, book, uh, did he sort of tap into this? Did he have this ability? And then, therefore, was he the source uh, for Ingersoll Lockwood's uh, uh, books about Baron Trump? Exactly. Exactly. Well, uh, gentlemen, uh, this is fascinating, and um, we'll have to do this again. This is only this is volume one of the Lost Future series. Uh, again, available at Lulu dot com, and uh, we didn't even get into Morgan Robertson, who is kind of a similar character to Ingersoll Lockwood in that he wrote a book, uh, Futility, which almost exactly mirrors the sinking of the uh, Titanic, but that was written what twenty maybe 15, 20 years prior. Um, right. Anyway, uh, right. a fascinating discussion. Thank you both. Todd Wood and Walter Bosley, appreciate your time. Thank you. A new Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. Blow your mind. That is all for now. Oh, and remember to share and give a five-star review because we have huge egos and need love. We're like cats. We need... We need constant petting.